Welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to offer encouragement, give hope, and insight so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. As we explore monthly themes, share inspiring stories, and practical tips, our desire is to continue to serve you and new listeners. You are missing out if you are not subscribing to our monthly newsletter. It releases the last day of the month, and it includes a Spotify playlist and a monthly prayer around our theme for the month. Both are extremely encouraging. We could also use your help. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even if you're new and something has resonated deeply with you, would you consider leaving a positive review? This allows our podcast to be more visible to others. And lastly, did you know that we have a full transcript of all of our episodes on our website? So if you prefer reading to listening or know someone who does, this full transcript is available and you can find that at takeheartspecialmoms.com backslash episode. Amy, Sarah, and I want to thank you for joining us today. So in this month of January, we have been talking about loneliness. And today we are going to talk about friendship for you, Mama. First of all, I just want to mention that we all have times where we feel very isolated and alone. I can remember one time being at an amusement park with our kids when they were little, and our son wasn't allowed to get on this like little kid ride that had little motorcycles, and there was just this whole thing with it. And I remember standing in the middle of that amusement park just sobbing in tears of just feeling like no one can understand this. All we want to do is just do something simple like ride a small ride at this amusement park, and they won't even let my son on. So I feel like you all can relate to that. You can relate to just feeling very isolated. And I do feel like there's just this deep desire of our hearts to be understood. And a lie I think that Satan wants us to believe is that we are alone and that no one understands us. But I just want to remind you today, first of all, that God does, that because of Christ, we are never alone, um, that we've been bought with a price. The Holy Spirit resides in us, and He will never leave you nor forsake you. And secondly, I just also want to say that Sarah, Amy, and I are here for you and to connect with you. And we want you to know that you are not alone in this journey. So today in our collaborative, we're going to just be talking about having some real raw conversations about special needs moms and friendship. So my first question for our group today is how do you find true friends or what are some tips that you guys can share about working through friendships as a special needs parent? So Sarah, do you want to start us? Yeah, I think first I would... um like to talk about what you said about, you know, Satan wants us to feel that we're alone. We're not worthy. No one wants to be with us. And and that is a, that's something that he puts in our head. And so I would say, first of all, if you're trying to make some deep, you know, true authentic connections is just to start in maybe in prayer and just asking God to remove that fear because you're worthy of being known. And so, um, and he's going to put people in your life that's going to appreciate you. So that would be my first step. And I think that we forget that. I think we just forget, oh my gosh, I, I need to be social. I need to be this. And I have, I have high social anxiety. So that fear is something that I've learned just to pray to go into it and be like, okay, I know it's, it's 
not you. It's Satan that's trying to deter me from this. So I think that's a good starting point. And then I would say just start with people that you know. Um, you have no idea who God is bringing into your life. You know, I, we, all three of us met in a writer's group and we didn't join it as special needs parents. We, we joined it as writers and we just happened to connect on the social needs aspect of things. But just to keep that open mindedness that just because you're a special needs parent does not mean that that's the only part of you that is worthy to get to know. Yeah, definitely. I love how I love how you said that. And I think sometimes we just at least at least I do and maybe maybe you're listening and you can relate to this. I just often am assuming the worst about people instead of assuming the best, instead of thinking that they they do want to have connection with me. They do want to um seek out a tr- a true friendship with me. And so I think sometimes we go into it with our our guard up. We go into it with our armor on and expecting everything to go wrong and expecting these these interactions and these connections and friendships to be that there that there's going to be a lot of misunderstanding in them. And I think we have to go in with the mindset that um you know God designed us for relationship not only with him but with other people. He does not I mean that's that's why we have the church. That's why we have the church body that extends outside the four walls of a building. And so I think we have to go into it with a different mindset. Yeah, I really like I really like that, Carrie, because I think, too, we often carry that one person that we weren't their cup of tea. <laughs> they really didn't. We did not connect. They were not picking up what I was putting down. So, and I carried that interaction or maybe that lack of friendship or lack of connection into future relationships. Um, And so I always have that in the back of my mind where, oh my gosh, well, so-and-so really didn't like me or they didn't like this about me. And we have to let that go too. So I like that. I would say too that um, it's not a one-size-fits-all friendship. Um, each person in our life may bring a different aspect of what we need in friends. Um, and I think one of the lies that another lie we have is that we don't need the connection. You know, no one's going to understand. Um, so that's, that's a way that Satan isolates us too. But I have friends who aren't special needs moms, but I go to them for different reasons. One friend is a special need, is a mental health nurse. So calling her all the time saying, okay, what do I do about this? She doesn't know what it's like to live my life, but she loves me and knows how to support me. Um, so I think part of finding a friendship is realizing that not one person's going to meet all the needs that you have. And maybe you just need a person that can tell you, like, you know, like a new mom that can tell you how to, if you have a new mom in your life and you need you need advice on how to do a certain therapy or do a certain kind of way to take care of your child. That's one kind of friendship. But another kind of friendship is the one that understands the grief or the anger. And you also need to have friends that you can say anything to. Um, but that requires some authenticity, which is hard. Um, I found friendship in the most unlikely places because um, I was willing to be a little authentic about what I was struggling with. Um, now, I am not the kind of person that tells all. I'm not. Um, but I've, I guess I've gotten a kind of a, um, 
an intuition of it about people that I can possibly say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And I'm amazed sometimes at the connections I make with people who aren't even special needs parents because of that. And I, I love what you said, Amy, just about that authenticity. I think sometimes we are afraid to open up ourselves to just to let to let people in and to let people know our struggles because I think again we kind of a theme that's reoccurring is just we believe the lie that we're just always supposed to be okay and that everything is supposed to be okay and I think another thing that you said is just that I think sometimes at least I struggle with this is that we expect all of our friendships to be the same and they're not they're not the same. You have to let people be who they are, right? You and and you just have different relationships with with different people. Like you said, you know, you you do have maybe that one special needs friend who truly gets it and who has walked just a really similar journey as you. But then you might have another one who she's not a special needs mom, but you know, she's there to just, you know, help ground you in different ways. And so I think that's really important. Yeah, because you can put a lot of pressure on one person by expecting them to be everything. And I think it and I don't want to speak for everybody, but for at least for me as a little girl, I thought, well, I'm, I need a best friend. I mean, you see it in you see it in movies, you see it, you know, socially and we're marketed, you know, to believe that we're supposed to have this one connection or your husband is your soulmate and he's everything. He's not my best friend. That's not his job. (laughs) Like he is one of my best friends, but he's not the best friend. He's not my only. And I just, I honestly don't even like the term best friend because I just don't think that there, that's such a thing in my opinion, but you just put so much pressure on one person to be everything to you. And so I have one friend, seriously, I would probably, if I had to label her, I would probably call her my gluten-free friend because she is always like, are you eating gluten? Because she can tell in my face or the way I'm hacking or stuff like that. Um, And that's just part of our friendship. That's not something that you guys provide for me. So it's, yeah, it's just a give and take. And you have to, I think, be intentional with people too. And get to know them because see what they have to offer, see what their strengths are and pull on that. And then you can, they can pull on your strengths as well. And the other way, we don't have to be all things to all people. You find that one friend and you're thinking, okay, now I have to do all the things, right? And that puts pressure on us and that already, that wears us out. So we can take that same advice and apply to how we are friends to other people. Because I know for me, like an example would be, Somebody, a friend at church needs a meal and I'm already like, okay, I should do it because I'm her friend, but I can't do it because I have all these appointments and therapies. Um, Trying to uh, figure that out for ourselves, I think, takes a lot of pressure off friendship too, and it becomes more natural. And when Sarah, when you were saying that, it made me think of that, um, you know, we're all all parts of the body work in different ways and we're all different parts of, of the body of Christ. And that's how friendships can work too. And I like what you said about we don't need to have a best friend because I do think we've read that. In all our literature, and it's like, oh, I need to have a. And Shirley needed a Diana. Right. <laughs> I need one too. Right? See, so, I immediately, I, like I immediately that. went to Thelma and Louise. 
<laughs> That's where I go. But yeah, I mean, you know, ever since we're little girls, somebody else needs to have the other part of the heart necklace. And it just doesn't work that way. I right. mean, it's just not that way. And I think, too, that other people are going to put that pressure on you as well. And other people are going to say, well, you, you know, there have been people in my life that have expected me to be all things to them. And that's just not who I am. I'm not going to be available 24 seven. I'm not, I won't talk on the phone. I don't want to talk on the phone and it's okay not to be that for everybody too. Yeah. I think another thing too is maybe we carry this over from our teenage years, but we feel like we have to have this huge group of friends you know, you have to be the most popular and have all these people around you. And I tend to be kind of in the middle of an introvert and an extrovert. And so it takes me a while to get comfortable. But then I I tend to want a lot more connections. But what that does on the flip side is it burns me out. And it is all of those, I have to keep up with this person and I have to care about this person. And then you get an empathy fatigue and a and a care fatigue. And we can't really afford that, I think, as special needs moms. So I think we have to be aware of what relationships are life-giving and what relationships are life-draining and invest in the ones that are life-giving, knowing that we always don't want to be on the receiving end. I'm not saying that we're always on the receiving end, but just that, that we're choosing our friendships and our relationships wisely. So I guess one of the next questions that is kind of a hard thing to talk about is, but what do you do when people move in and out of your life? And I I don't want to say necessarily that you lost a friend. I know there can be, you know, very, you know, volatile situations and conflict and things like that sometimes. But what do we do? Um, Let's talk to that mom who has maybe lost a friend over her child's diagnosis and they've walked out of her life so what do you what what advice would you give her? I can speak to this one. I'm I'm thinking a little bit about my own experience with having kids that have pretty significant behavior issues. And there have been many a times where one of my children has made a friend and has quickly lost a friend um, themselves. Um, I have some good friends that just didn't understand what was happening in our family. And I, not only the behavior, but the way that I had to handle the behavior was different than I would have handled it with other children. And so there was a lot of um, what I perceived as judgment and not understanding and also being frustrated that we couldn't do typical things that everybody else could do because an impromptu a prompt trip to the beach or to go to, you know, to lunch is really hard to do with behavioral issues, kids with behavioral issues because they're so dis- they get so um, dysregulated very quickly. So um, I remember one time a friend was coming and I had gone to see my counselor and I was got myself all in a big tizzy about how she didn't understand and how she was constantly making comments about like my life and how I just felt like I couldn't continue that friendship because it was negative. And my therapist said, you know, you just have to be honest about what's really going on in your life. And she said, unless they live in your house, you can't expect them to know. So if you're not telling them, um, 
they're not going to know what's going on. So that would be my first thing is just try to keep the communication open. Maybe there's just a misunderstanding. Um, maybe there's something they don't see because they don't live in your house. And I've said it before. I didn't understand what was going on in my house half the time. So why would I assume anybody else would? Um, I think this comes back once again to being authentic and having connection and being honest. And then if that friendship still doesn't hold out because um, of whatever reasons, then we have to let that go. It's hard. And ask God to bring um, somebody else into our life. Because if, if, if you're constantly having to justify your life, that's not a life-giving friendship. Um, but first, I would uh, let me go back and say, I would say that you need to be honest and connection and even say, I don't need you to solve this, right? Don't, I know you don't understand this, but um, that's hard to do. But that, that kind of stuff, a lot of times will take you deeper into a friendship, I think, when you're willing to be honest. Um, so, And uh, Amy, I like what you said about the, um, that sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. Um, because I've noticed a lot of friendships where I've thought that it's just because my life is too difficult or this and this. And um, Ken Sandy in his book, The Peacemaker, he talks about the majority of conflicts start with misunderstandings or miscommunication. And so to be authentic and vulnerable and just approach that person in a very loving way, gentle way and saying, I, I could be completely wrong but this is how I feel. And I know that's not the kind of person you are and just kind of open that dialogue with them and that will open it up. And it's a really good book. I would recommend it. We'll have a note. Um, we'll put that link in the show notes, but it's called the peacemaker and it's a biblical guide to resolving personal conflict by Ken Sandy, but it just goes through anything just within yourself and other people. But a lot of it is just that misunderstanding with people. They just don't understand. And we have to understand as well that a lot of people, they don't want to ask. Um, they don't want to appear voyeuristic. They don't want to, well, if she's having a good day, I don't want to, I don't want to bring up bad stuff. It's kind of like asking somebody who's quit smoking, how are you doing with smoking? <laughs> you know, you don't want to bring it up if they're doing fine with it. So um, I think, yeah, just the I would say first, just to see if there's a misunderstanding. And like Amy said, and if there's not, and if it is too difficult for them, um, release your grasp on that friendship. Let it go. That's what I was going to say, too, as I think about, you know, Matthew 18, just going to that person and kind of kind of facing just that decision of like, is this worth fighting for? Is this is this friendship worth um, you know, having these conversations and, and honestly, I feel like true friendship is not true friendship without a little bit of conflict, like iron sharpens iron. Right. And so, um, but if you are, are unable to continue that friendship, then you have to ask yourself, is it time to let this go? And, and I just want to encourage our listeners to let it go with, just the idea that you aren't going to hold that bitterness inside of you because that's going to hurt you. And and I'm not saying that you're not going to feel pain and loss and grief over that relationship leaving. I think that we have to grieve that. You know, you've heard me talk about this on the podcast many times. And I feel like we have to take that pain to the Lord and we have to grieve that loss of friendship. But Every time you feel anger about that, you just pray and ask the Lord to help heal your heart over that relationship so you don't carry that bitterness. And because that's going to hurt you more than that's going to hurt another person. 
that other person. Yeah. And I, I would also say too that it might not be that the friendship is dwindling or fizzling out or whatever, however you want to, or you're even losing it because of the special needs aspect. I have an older, my oldest son who's neurotypical, able-bodied. We had friends growing up because he was playing baseball and then he started playing soccer. Well, those friendships changed and they just, because you're, your life changes. And so sometimes I, you know, we were talking about earlier, Carrie, you were talking about the worst case scenario. And I think we all do that to a point because we all think, what am I doing to cause this? Or what is it? We all feel like it's something that we have done. Um, but it's not always about the special needs aspect. It could just very well be that you're have, your life's changing. Their lives are changing. They have things to do. And so um, it, it might not always be about your child too. I just caution on that as well. Yeah, definitely. Amy, do you have anything to add to that? I was just thinking when you guys were talking that um, I heard somebody say that special needs parenting is Olympic level parenting. <laughs> so in the same way, I think sometimes we have Olympic level friend friendships. We have to maybe go the extra mile to have those hard conversations. Um, and that's just part of it. And we have to keep trying and keep reconnecting and maybe... I'm not trying to say that other people don't have that, those difficulties because we all have difficulties in relationships, but we have some added challenges. So um, it may take some added work to make a friendship work or to find a friend. Um, and I was also going to say that sometimes um, the preconceived notions about our life need to be um, dispelled, I guess. You know, I said, you know, people... I can't do everything that everybody else can do. But then everybody assumes I can never do anything. I cannot tell you how many times people said, we were going to ask you, but we just thought you couldn't do it. And um, so there's, it goes both ways. So being, it's all back to that um, authenticity and being honest about what we yeah. need. And I would encourage our listeners who maybe don't have special needs children, don't be afraid to ask those questions to us and and to find a way to make it work. You know, I... I know it's, it's the same thing just with having a child in a wheelchair. Like people don't typically invite us over because they, I don't think they want to put us in an awkward position or, or they just assume that we can't get him in their house. And I, I think it's important to, again, like you said, we need to continue to just dispel those, those li not lies, but just those misconceptions to dispel those misconceptions that we can't ever do things or that we don't want to make that effort to do it. And and I think on the flip side, we have to be honest and say, when it's not within my mental capacity to think about this, I can't do this right now, but please ask us again. And, or let's set this up at a time when, you know, my son isn't in the hospital or I'm not thinking about this right now because I've got so much going on medically and so I think that, again, that's it goes back to, I think the theme is just that, that authenticity and being willing to, on both ends, to ask those questions and, and extend those invitations and be willing to, to be into the lives of families who have children with special needs and to be a friend. And then on the other side, that we're honest and and we also show them, and I don't want to say educate, but that is kind of the the way we do it to educate people like, hey, we can we can get this ramp. We can do this thing. And so I think that's important, too. Yeah. And I think, you know, you were talking something um, sparked me when you were saying 
tell them, just say, yeah, ask me again when my son's not in the hospital or my daughter's not in the hospital or we're out of this treatment plan or whatever the case might be. Um, I would also encourage when your child is out of the hospital, reach back out and and just say, hey, can you grab a cup of coffee? Whatever fits in your life. Or, hey, can you come and sit on my back porch? Because I really can't go more than five feet away from my house at any given time for the foreseeable future. Can you come over? And they might say no, and it might not fit into their schedule. That's okay. Um, but just asking them will let them know, hey, I really want to spend time with you. Let's figure something out. And it'll at least open that dialogue back up. Because I have found... I had one particular friend that I'm thinking of where I had said no so many times and not had, I didn't leave that open like you suggested, Carrie. Um, and she then thought she must not be interested in, in being my friend anymore. It's just, it's not, maybe she thought I she wasn't my cup of tea and it really wasn't that. It just was for a period of time, I couldn't do anything. And so, you know, offer them or like Carrie said, you know, suggest that they talk to you, but then also be the one to initiate that. Because I think, Carrie, you were the one that said earlier, we can't expect for them to always come to us. We are part of that friendship. And so we have an obligation to work at that as well. Yeah. So, and I loved earlier, Amy, how you talked about just that Olympic level parenting. So, I think one of the things that we do end up having to do is we sometimes have to either start a support group or or join a support group, whether that's online or in person, or to kind of create a community, I guess, around us is what I'm saying. And so what advice would you give to our listeners about creating that community around you? And maybe it's maybe it is a support group that meets once a month or something, or maybe it's a group at a church or so what what advice would you give to our listeners about creating community for them, especially it's hard. Well, I want to I just want to say this. Sometimes it's hard because we have to we have to do it. We have to be the initiators to this. And so what advice would you give about that? I don't, I don't want to be negative about this topic. But in my specific instance, I want to speak to my son's diagnosis does not fall in line with what is typical of a child with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So I've actually had other Duchenne parents. And I know I have, we have some listeners that are Duchenne parents and um, they can probably understand and other diagnoses can understand because none, not one. I think there's a saying, if you've met one child with special needs, you've met one child with special needs. But um I was part of groups when it, it, he was first diagnosed online and because um, that's really where I didn't know anybody local, but I was online and people asked questions, you know, um, milestones, this, and my, my child is walking much longer than normal, you know, the, the typical child with Duchenne walks. And I've actually had people ask me, well, are you sure that you're actually a Duchenne mom? I actually had that quote unquote. And so I was in groups that was and then I was in another group that was really negative. It was just a lot of venting. There wasn't a lot of positivity there. Um, and I had to make the choice to leave. Um, and so I think all of that to say, just because your child has a diagnosis and you find a group online does not mean that that's the group that you need to be in. Um, 
it's okay to unfollow. It's okay to leave a conversation. It's okay to not be a part of that group and to find another. I'm actually in another group for a completely different diagnosis, but I understand them more and they understand me and it's more faith-based. So that's what I would suggest is just because you might have the behavioral diagnosis or the physical diagnosis, whatever it might be, doesn't mean that that's exactly where you need to be. Um, Be open to what you need. And those groups are there. You're there to help other people, sure, but you're also there to get something out of it. And you can't keep pouring from an empty cup kind of thing. So, I I really like what you said, Sarah, because we we don't want to be in spaces that are negative. And um, so if it's not what we need, I think it's important, support groups specifically, um, I have a couple things to say. First of all, for the mom with a neurodiverse child, um, the diagnosis is sometimes hard to find. So you may be thinking, well, I don't know, I don't know what's, the, I don't know what the diagnosis is, so I can't join a group. But start somewhere, and kind of look at the at the the ethos of the group. Is the group faith based? Is it positive? Um, I've been in groups that are just really hard to be in because everybody's venting. And, and they should have a place to vent, but it's, my life was really hard and I didn't want to read another hard story. So look at kind of the flavor of the group um, and don't not join a group just because, like Sarah said, it's not your diagnosis because you will glean from those things. I also think that it's pretty quickly you can find in a group people's comments you always read, right? I always read this lady's comments. She really has a lot to say, so reach out to that person, Um or, or reach out to somebody and say, you know, who lives in this state and who can I get together with? Um, so for the moms of kids with um, the neurodiverse, so just start somewhere. That's my first comment. My second comment is, as we're thinking about um, starting support groups or finding community, I think it's really important to take a step back and say, what do I need? Once again, um, I'm 98% introvert. I'm never going to want to be in a big group of people. I hate that. That's so not my jam. <laughs> so I remember a couple years ago, I sat down because I didn't know that many rad moms. And I thought, okay, what do I need? Well, first of all, I need a friend that can soul journey with me. She doesn't even have to be a special needs mom. Somebody can hear all my doubts, all my struggles with faith. Somebody I can soul, you know, journey together in my relationship with God. Okay, now I need a friend I can say literally anything to. <laughs> she won't judge me. I need somebody that's just practical, somebody that can help me figure out therapies and treatments. So what I did in that situation is I reached out to our adoption social worker and said, who do you know that I can talk to? Recently, I was in a support group for transracial adoptee parents. And I honestly, I think I told Sarah, I don't want to go because I'll probably be the oldest mom, which I was. Um, I had the oldest kid, which I did. They all had cute little four-year-olds and I have a teenager with a lot of issues. (laughs) But that group, I didn't make friends. I'm not friends with any of them now. But that group served the purpose of what I needed in that period, which was understanding a little bit more about transracial adoption. Um, So to recap for the listener, just figure out what you need. Try a bunch of different things. And you know, kind of be true to the things you know. Like if you're not an extrovert, don't think, oh, a support group only means a bunch of people that I have to connect with all the time. Find out what works for you and your personality and how God made you. Yeah, I love that because I was thinking as you were speaking is we just kind of have to think about our goals. Like 
what what was what is the purpose of this and what what do I need out of it and I would like to just speak to the listener who maybe his child has a rare diagnosis or I can say that you know my son has spina bifida and that's a very common diagnosis it's one of the most common in the United States um, for a like a birth defect but he went down a road less traveled when he ended up with a trach, a ventilator, and a feeding tube when he was, you know, six weeks old. And so when we left the hospital, I looked around at all of these local groups that met and thought, I cannot connect with any of these people because they're not dealing with nurses in their home and life-threatening situations. I mean, I had to learn how to give CPR through a trach when I left the hospital. And so I, you know, I just, God provided my one friend who her son has a trach, a ventilator and a feeding tube. And, and ironically, we were friends before we were even married. And so God certainly orchestrated that friendship. But Sheena kind of looked at each other because her son has a rare form of SMA. There's like 50 kids in the world with it. And we said, what is our common ground? Our common ground is that our kids are medically fragile. Our common ground is that we have nurses in our home, which is a very unique beast to deal with. Our common ground is that our kids are in the hospital a lot. And so we decided to start an in-person support group. And and we just, and it wasn't very big. And we, you know, set a time of the month that we were going to meet in a restaurant and grab coffee once a month. We set a time. And then God just brought people to us. It might have been just through word of mouth, or we tried to have a picnic once a year. We tried to have a Christmas party once a year so that all the families could get to know each other. And and so those were just a couple of things. So I would just encourage you is to look for the common ground that you have in whether it's a a relationship in person with someone. Like like Amy said, what do you need? from that friendship or whether it's an online support group or, you know, one of my closest friends back when Yahoo groups were a thing, I met this lady. Our kids were born like a month apart. Her son did not have a trach, did not have a ventilator, but he had had a lot of surgeries because he was born with some extra things besides spina bifida. We figured out that we did have a mutual friend through college and we homeschool together, but it is amazing how God will just orchestrate that. And I think it just goes back to what Sarah said in the beginning, and that is praying. God cares about you having authentic connection. God cares about you not feeling isolated and for you having the support that you need in your life and and ask him, ask him for it. So do you guys have any closing thoughts as we close out today? I love, I just want to add here that finding the common ground, we have way more common ground with people than we realize. You know, we've shared that the three of us met through a writing group. Um, I have no idea what it's like to be frustrated when someone parks in the parking space where the wheelchair van's supposed to go. I've heard a lot about it from Carrie and Sarah. <laughs> yes, she <laughs> has. <laughs> but I have no idea. <laughs> they don't have any clue what it's like to have to lock up your knives and have alarms on the doors and cameras and dealing with the mental health issue, but that doesn't mean we don't have common ground. We come alongside each other. And um, I will say too, I I back with Carrie on the prayer. I didn't know this friendship was going to happen. 
in this writing group. Um, I didn't know that God was going to orchestrate this, and he did more than I could ask or imagine. So, um, like Carrie said, we're made for connection, so don't close yourself off because it doesn't look like you think it should. All right. Well, I would like to close with um, just a couple parts of a prayer um, from Every Moment Holy. I think you've probably heard us read from this book before, and if you do not have it, I highly recommend it. They actually have two volumes now, one about grief and sorrow, and then their first edition. We'll put the links in the show notes. And this is actually a liturgy for leaving. And so as we leave you today, I would like to pray this prayer over you as our listeners. It says, O Lord, make us ever mindful of one another. And to the end that we would labor in the days to come, as those who would tend and encourage the stories of those around us by prayer and friendship and thoughtfulness and conversation, affirming and sharpening and amplifying one another's good works, and to the end that your body would be built up and that your kingdom would be more fully realized in this world. Let us journey from here together as vessels of that mercy and as stewards of that wild and wondrous beauty that flows from the heart and mind of our Creator. Thank you for being with us this week on Take Heart. Our prayer each week is for your heart to be encouraged. Again, we are so grateful that you are walking on this journey with us. Our goal is that you never feel alone, and that each week you can tune in and be comforted and know that you are not alone. Be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter at TakeHeartSpecialMoms.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to continue the conversation with us today or if you have questions or comments about this episode, please follow the links in our show notes. We love hearing from our listeners. Thank you for listening and listen in next week as we start a new theme in the month of February.